0: Welcome to my podcast, Mike Cohen here, and uh, we're talking today about a very important event that's going to take place in Cote St. Luke. It's a blood donor clinic, the uh, Tiferet Beth David Jerusalem uh, Congregation Blood Donor Clinic in Cote St. Luke, Tuesday, March 1st, from 1.30 to 7.30 p.m. at 6519 Bailey Road, by appointment only, don't just show up. And a very unique theme, Heroes of the Pandemic Reinforcing the Front Line, joining me, uh, Yair, me- Yair Myers, who is the co-chair along with Ari Schwartz. Uh, honorary Chair, cardiologist, Dr. Mark Eisenberg, who is a member of the TBDJ. And respiratory uh, therapist uh, uh, and the wife of Yair, and also member of the TBDJ, of course, Alyssa Grunstein. So thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the blood donor clinic and the very interesting theme. So, Yair, tell me, why are we having a blood donor clinic? When did this come about?
1: So I've been... Um... Donating blood for um, probably close to 20 years um, since I've been able to, and when I came to Montreal um, 10 years ago, I always wanted to do an annual blood drive. Um, it was one of my um, one of my goals that I wanted to bring to Montreal to have a yearly blood drive, um, and it uh, finally came into into intuition today this year. Um, and what better way to show um, honor, um, to our frontline workers, um, healthcare, uh, our healthcare workers, uh, by doing it in their honor. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to give part of yourself for the greater cause. You don't know where the blood is, who it's going to, or for what reason, but it's going to be used and it's going to help, um, a patient, um, in the hospital or wherever the blood is, um, then given. Um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a 15, 20 minute procedure. doesn't take long to do it. Obviously you have to be comfortable donating blood, but, um, it's, it's something that I look forward to doing a, on a yearly, um, blood drive, um, hosted at TBDJ, um, for years to come.
0: Well, it's a great initiative. Uh, Dr. Eisenberg, uh, we were communicating by email and you told me that in your opinion the, the the blood donor clinic like this is particularly important at this time would you like to elaborate
2: well yeah i would i, I think that uh, you know we've gone through it's almost uh, exactly 2 years since since covid started and it's really been a huge stressor for the community and, and many different levels and it's um, you know it's it's you know as a, as a you know healthcare professional i think it, we've been privileged to be able to take care of people but there's a lot of people that have been isolated in their homes, and and for them to be able to contribute in some way, I think it's it's really important for the community. Um, aside from the fact, as yet you mentioned that you know, I mean, you're you're this blood is being used to save people's lives. It's really making a difference. Uh, it's often you know my life. I occasionally get to save somebody's life. It's really a thrilling thing. But the average person, you don't have that opportunity. And this is a way for the whole community to come together to do that. And especially in the you know, in the era of COVID, I think it's really
0: important. Alyssa, you're a respiratory, uh, you know, working, working certainly in in an area where you've probably seen a lot of uh, COVID patients uh, as a respiratory therapist. So what are your thoughts on the, uh, your husband's decision to spearhead a blood donor clinic?
3: So I think it kind of spearheaded when I came home from work one day and we were giving blood, I, I work in the operating room. And so I give blood, to patients on a regular basis, um, and I came home and I I told him, you know, today the whole cardiac day was canceled because they don't have enough blood wow. in the hospital in order to 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 make sure that these patients come out alive. And he really couldn't believe it. And I, I told him, I'm telling you, that's the reason why there were two cardiac patients that were both canceled because of this reason. And he said, we need to do something about it. So that night he made an appointment um, to give blood. I think it was at Rockland. And he said, okay, we need to give blood. Alyssa, you should give blood. And and it's really true. These, if we come together and we can all make a difference together. Um, And yeah, there was a shortage of blood um, in HEMA, Quebec. I think it was a few months ago. And now I think they're doing a bit better. But it's it's small little acts that we can do um, if you're healthy and you're able to give blood that can really save people's lives. And it could you patients can get their life changing surgeries in order to survive and have a healthier life. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I give blood at work uh, on a very regular basis. Wow. I check the blood. I see the blood. I give the blood. And it's it's. A nice thing knowing that my husband who gives blood very regularly, um, it's it it makes me feel good that he's doing something to make a difference. And I guess so am I. Uh,
0: very interesting. So so Dr. Eisenberg, you, you were talking, it's been two years that we've been in the pandemic. I I had COVID in January of 2021. It was a horrible experience. I was not in the hospital, but uh, I, I live in fear of getting Omicron. I've been very, very careful. And and today, as we record this podcast, uh, the health minister has announced that you know he's lifting a lot of the restrictions. Um, we know they've already lifted most of the restrictions, and now we're seeing that kids are going to be able to go back to school without masks on March 7th. Uh, a week later, we're probably going to have no masks at all. What are your thoughts as someone who's you know, working in a hospital every day, spending hours in the operating room?
2: You know, so, well, as I mentioned just before we started this podcast, I, I spent 12 hours in the hospital today in the emergency room, and I'm still double masking. I think I'm one of the few that are still doing it with an N95 a surgical mask and advisor. But, you know, I'm coming into contact with lots of patients, lots of patients that are COVID positive, patients that are immunosuppressed. So I don't want to get it. I don't want to give it. Um, you know, we have to remember as you know, not, not just, you know, it's, it's terrible, obviously, to get it, but you can kill somebody by giving them uh, a COVID.
1: So, you know, in terms of
2: uh, lifting the, the restrictions, I, you know, I think it's difficult because there's a balance there, as my wife always uh, tells me, she's, she, you know, she's a physician as well, you know, between the, you can be completely safe and stay in your house and wear a mask all the time versus, you know, there's, there's mental health issues for people, for, you know, for students et cetera. I think, that, uh, I think that on some level, the government is trying to, um, uh, you know, to reflect what's going on in terms of the, uh, you know, the spike in, in cases and deaths and as it comes down to, uh, to, to liberalize. So I, I, I understand where that's coming from. I, my hope is that it's not gonna happen so quickly in the hospitals because I think we have a lot of, of vulnerable people there uh, as well. So I think you know we we're, obviously we're going to have to lift the uh, you know all the restrictions at some point. We can't live like this forever. But when is the exact right time? Is there going to be another wave? That is all unknown.
0: Yeah, uh, well said. And Alyssa, your your comments as again someone who's like Dr. Eisberg is in the hospital every day. Uh, what are your thoughts? And you're also a parent of young children of the restrictions being lifted. I mean, we might need a heck of a lot more blood donor clinics if things go south.
3: So. Of course, we can't tell the future and we don't know what's gonna be, Um, but I definitely see it from two points because I do see very sick patients in the hospital. um, And I do feel for patients who are immunocompromised. And I think that around those people, we really have to be careful. And I still wear an N95 at work um, quite often. Um, And But then again, I also think of my kids and when, school was closed for those extra two weeks after the winter break, it was really, really difficult as working parents, but also for them not being, having any social interaction. Um, and, and when they, when they started doing sports again, and when activities started to happen, it was, it was this like light that lit up in my kids and I didn't realize how much they needed it until I actually saw them go back to it so I do see it I do Are masks are masks really so so bad for them no I don't think it's 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 just it's a lot there's less social that I don't know I having a hard time explaining myself but I find kids are being less social because of these masks and it's also instilling instilling fear in these kids like my my six-year-old comes home who's in kindergarten and he says oh so and so wasn't in school today maybe he has COVID I hope he doesn't die oh my god he's six so I think these masks also instill some sort of fear in these kids yeah Um, and I I think that I think I don't think that all kids will remove the masks right away when the government makes the rule. Anyways, I think that some parents will still make their kids wear masks. Um, But bottom line is, I think that around vulnerable people, we have to be careful. Um, We because things you know, it it could the patients could get very sick. Um, But I think with healthy kids, um, I think that at some point we need to start. Kids need to start living a little bit more.
0: Uh, well said. Before I let Yair wrap it up, I just have to ask you, Dr. Eisberg, and I know your wife, Dr. Louise Pilat, is a general internist. She's worked right on the COVID wards. Uh, what, where do you think we're headed with COVID? I mean, I asked people this question two years ago, a year ago. Um, are we headed for this to become endemic? Will it, will it burn out? Are we going to have a sixth wave? Well, what's your, what's your, what's, what is your thoughts? Being in the hospital every day, well, obviously.
2: You know, I can't know, and nobody knows. You know, if you look back, you know, I look, I look at the um, statistics daily at the, you know, number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths, and the uh, number of infections. We can see that there's been, you know, spikes, and then it comes down almost to, to nothing. So th- that, that's happened multiple times. I hope this is the last time. My expectation, though, is that, uh, you know, much like the Spanish flu, that eventually this will, will die out and we'll get back to, uh, you know, to normal life. Uh, if it's ever going to get to a situation where we get, you know, an annual flu shot, uh, you know, for COVID, you know, that, that would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, but I, I don't know where we're going to be. But I, my, my feeling is, though, that we're, we're, you know, we're coming out of a wave right now and we're going to ha- certainly have at least a few months where, you know, people can circulate and socialize and, and, and travel a little bit and get back, get back to normal. Um, so we need to take advantage. But if I get, if I could just take one last second, though, I'd like to put Please. in a plug. You're t- talking a lot about COVID, but uh, I'd really like to put in a, a, a plug for for vaccinations. You know, in yes. Quebec, we're we're uh, you know one of the highly most highly um, covered population in terms of vaccination in the world. I mean, really doing doing very well, but. You know, I come in, uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning for patients with heart attacks. And my team comes in and we have two nurses, a, a technologist that comes in, we have a fellow come in to, to do an angioplasty in the middle of the night and the patient is unvaccinated. Oh and, boy. And, and, you know, do they have COVID? We don't know whether they have COVID. We swab them, but we, you know, got to do the procedure, but it's potentially exposing, you know, my whole team to, to, to COVID. And, and then, you know, you asked them why they didn't get vaccinated. They said, well, it's my preference you know, um, I, I don't think that's a great, great reason. I mean, that's okay if you're gonna be staying home, but you never know when you're gonna end up in the hospital and expose other people and other healthcare uh, uh, providers. So I really would like to put in a plug for, uh, you know, complete vaccination
0: for the whole population. I agree with you 150%. So yeah, you're uh, you're, you're 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 doing this blood drug clinic safely. People can have to make an appointment. So tell us how do people get involved? How do they book an appointment? And how do they
1: come on March 1st to the synagogue and, and give blood? So uh Hema Quebec, since COVID started, um, only do um, by appointment only. So you have to uh, go on Hemant Quebec's website, uh, find the schedule, find the location, um, and then put in a request for the, for the time. Or you can even call Hemant Quebec. Um, I don't have the number offhand, but it's yeah,
0: 1-800-343-7264.
1: I'll put it in the uh, the body of the description of this podcast. Perfect. And um, we only have, so they give you a, a, a maximum amount of uh, um, spots available. So we have around 70 spots um, open for us for that day. Um, as of this past Thursday, uh, we had close to 45 to 50 already filled up with Terrific. people with people just signing up, seeing the flyers being sent out. Um, there are a lot, there are restrictions as far as if you're traveling for spring break out of country, um, you have to be back within, in Canada within 14 days. There are some rules with Hema Quebec. Um, they, we will have a security guard at the, at the synagogue for the day. Um, and, um, and you have to come with an appointment. Um, if there are, if the spots are still open, within two to three days before the, the blood drive chemical then calls their, their list of people um, on their, on their uh, sign on their, their database. Uh, so we encourage everyone to sign up. Um, hopefully, um, next year's blood drive, there won't be a minimum. We'd be able to accommodate a lot more people with um, and um, but hoping to fill out the 60, 65 to 70 spots um, ASAP, And um, that's it. We're really just trying to give back to the of Quebec and um, provide what we can do for our uh, hospitals and um, healthcare um, staff workers.
0: It's a great initiative, Yair. And uh, Cote St. Luke, City of Cote St. Luke will have its annual Ruth Kovac blood donor clinic in May. So that'll be happening as well with of Quebec. So I wanna thank you all for joining me. Uh, This is a great information session. Uh, good information besides talking with the blood drug clinic. So uh, good luck with the event
1: and uh, everyone go out and participate.
0: Thank you. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks for having us.